Hi, welcome to Bite Size Bible Studies. I'm Pastor Luke. Uh, if you haven't been here before, our goal is to spend a few minutes together in God's Word, activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, most of us, I know, are in quarantine. This is why you see this terrible mustache here. I figure if you can't see anybody, you might as well um, have a little fun with it. Although, granted, you guys have to look at it. I just am spared from seeing the cringe on your face because of how bad it looks. Uh, but anyways, I hope everybody's staying safe, healthy. Um, I just hope you're showing self-discipline and that you're using, if you're having more time at home, that you're using it well. Um, and let's make sure that we're continuing to get in the Word on a daily basis and grow in this. So we're going to be in Acts. We've been in Acts for about a week now. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to read Acts 6, 1 through 7. So again, that's Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And so let's go ahead and jump in. It says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorius, Nicanor, Timian, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so I, I think there's some beautiful things here that we want to pay attention to. I think there's some beautiful things that um, we always want to look for when we come to God's Word. And so the first thing I always personally try to do when I'm reading God's Word is before diving into what did this mean to them, what does it mean to me, uh, is first just pausing. What do I think this says about our God? What does this say about the God that we serve, the God that we pray to, the God that we have given our whole lives to and that we follow? And to me, the thing that always stands out as amazing about God is the fact that he doesn't need us, right? God lacks nothing. He has all the power, all the knowledge, anything he could possibly want, he has. And so if God wanted to, he could do his work without ever having to messy it up by bringing you and me into the picture. And what I mean by that is I, I kind of always think about when we serve the Lord, the same way I feel like when my kids come help me build something. Um, and, and I'm not a master craftsman by any means, but even if you go buy an Ikea bookshelf, when you have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old come help you, the reality is you're going to work slower. You're going to have more mistakes. There'll probably be moments where uh, a screw is lost or a nail's misplaced. It is going to slow down the process. But why do you do that as a dad? You do that because you know part of this is letting them grow and also because you love them, you know there is a joy that they're going to have being part of that process of building everything up. And so I always think about that when I see the opportunity that God gives us to be part of ministry. God could do all this without us, but he loves us so much that he gives us the opportunity to, one, grow by being involved in ministry. And second, he allows us the joy that he knows comes from being in this. And so whenever I, I see stories like this, I just kind of reflect on that loving, that loving characteristic of God 
where he is our father. He treats us like children and he allows us the great joy to be part of his work. The second thing I see here that's important is, is that there's always going to be conflict at church. Always. Churches are full of people and all people are is individuals who are addicted to sin. The big difference about Christians coming to a church is at least they know they have that issue, right? Every single human being, all of us, have addiction to sin. All of us are drawn to it. All of us have to fight it every single day of our lives. And all of us know that if we're not on guard, if we're not disciplined, if we're not watching for it, we can be sidetracked from the path that God has for us and pulled towards these sinful things in our lives. So in the church, you just have a bunch of, of sinful people, broken people, all interacting in life. And then not only do they have that factor that they're all sinners, but the reality is a good church often is going to see what happens here. You had both the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, and you also had the Hellenists or the Gentiles, people who did not come from a Jewish background. And so also in our churches, you should see diversity, which means we all come from different backgrounds. We, we talk differently. Uh, we have different traditions. We have different ways of processing things, right? And all these people put together, what's going to happen? Sometimes there's going to be conflict. And so what happens here is this little tip breaks out between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. And the main complaint is, is it feels like these, these Hellenists, the non-Jews, are not getting their fair share of the food that's distributed every week or every day. And so the 12 sit down, and this is the apostles, and the 12 sit down and realize we have been called to do God's work. And our main task is what he gave to us in the Great Commission, which is to go out and make disciples. It's to teach the word. It's to baptize. And what they started realizing as the church was growing is if they were the ones constantly taking care of the tables, and I think that word is important. Um, a lot of times we think of this just, just fully as food, um, but that word tables could actually mean two things. It could be mo mean, one, physically the distribution of food at tables. Uh, the second thing it could possibly mean is the financial situation, because we've read earlier in this book that what was the early church doing? The early church was uh, taking care of the financial needs of its members. And so if there were situations where you were lacking and I had stuff, I would sell it and provide for you. And so this, this taking care of one another, because there's so many people now, is starting to overwhelm the 12 disciples. And what's happening is, is not only are they able to carry out the work effectively, but it's taking them away from that thing that they're very good at, which is the preaching of the gospel, the teaching of the word, and the growth of people with depth. And so what do they do? They say, go get 12 or seven men of great character, and we're going to bring these guys in to do these tasks so that we can continue to pursue what we have been called to do. And so brothers and sisters, what's important about that for you and I to remember is, is whatever our calling is, right? Some of us are called to be pastors or elders. Some of us are called to be deacons. Uh, some of us are called to a specific ministry. But the reality is every single one of us, all of us, if you have breath in your lungs, you are called to serve the Lord and you are called to serve in the church, right? The church is not a building, it's the people. And so you are, as part of that, you are called to serve and use your talents and use your gifts in a way that bring benefit to the church. And so even if you're not a person who can get up and, and preach a sermon or sing a song, there is something that you can do to make things better. What's funny is, or not funny, what's sad, I guess, is, is that whatever size church you go to, 
and, and I've seen this pretty much at any church I've been, and I've been at small churches and I've been at mega churches, is there's never enough volunteers. There's always enough people who want to show up and consume, right? They want to hear a good sermon. They want to hear some good music. They want to have their kids watch. They want to have their kids taught. They want to go to Mother's Day Out. They want to go to the coffee shop, right? Whatever the things are, they, they want to participate in those things. But then there's also a lot of people who aren't serving in different ministries. And so brothers and sisters, I think what this shows us is even something simple, like handling out money or taking care of serving people food, is hugely important because each of us has a very important role in the church. And while they all may look different in significance from a worldly perspective, it's them all coming together. It's all of them in unison that makes the church this beautiful thing. And I think this is a great lesson for you and I right now, because if you're like me and if you're like most of the world, your normal has been broken. Many of us are at work. Many of our kids aren't going to school. We're not interacting at church physically. And so a lot of us, we now are pushed into a position where we can't simply go to a building where a staff team helps put on worship services and consume. If we want the church to make an impact right now, that's on us. We got to get out there. We got to show love to our neighbors, love to our family members, love in our household. We've got to find ways to sacrifice for others around us. We've got to find ways in the midst of all this darkness that's out there, all this fear and stress, to be a people who show love, who bring hope, who bring light in the midst of that darkness. And so just like they found these seven people of character and asked them to do what seemed like a small task, the ripple effect of that was huge. Because not only now were all the families being taken care of, but then additionally, it freed the disciples to go and do the work they were called to do. And so that's my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters. Don't always be looking for something huge to do on the basis of the Lord, right? A lot of us, we want this huge ministry or we want a title or we want something big. And what we really should be looking for is what is the thing I can do today? that can make a difference to people and show people I love God and I love people. It's that simple. And it's amazing how those little things, little things, right? We, we see so badly. We measure things so badly. Those little things from the perspective of the world, a lot of times turn out to be huge things in the kingdom of God. And so brothers and sisters, just like what we see happen here, we see because of this behavior, because of them bringing these seven in, because of the needs being met, what happened? the number of disciples grew dramatically. And so that's my prayer right now. My prayer is that there are so many of us out here right now who are using social media, who are using our, our relationships, who are using whatever things are at our disposal to be light in the midst of darkness, that my hope and prayer is, is that when this ends, whenever that is, we're not going to see that we come back to church in smaller numbers. We're going to see that we come back to church in bigger numbers. Because we've been being the church, each and every one of us, in every little way that we can. So don't forget the mission. Don't lose the passion. Go out and make disciples. And may God use you greatly. Praying for your safety and praying for you not to be stressed. We'll see you soon. Thanks.